I hate it. Do it. Welcome to Talking Sons, the stickiest podcast about Dungeons and Daddies made by fans of the show. Dungeons and Daddies is a podcast about four dads who are teleported to the fantasy realm to reclaim their sons. This isn't that podcast. You should go listen to it because we don't care about spoilers and we'll spoil everything. Talking Sons Community Edition, Episode 8, Nick Close Megasode. Theme music goes here. Ba-dang, ba-dang, ba-dang. Man, that feels better. Hi. My name is Jamie, and I play Jamie, a work-from-home nerd dad, and my dad fact is that my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Really? Really? <sighs> Why? 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 I, I mean, there was such a terrible dad fact in episode seven. I think that was when they introduced that, like, Henry's favorite drink was water, and his uh. second favorite drink was room temperature water. Mm. And that just kicked off the whole terrible, terrible dad facts from Henry. And I wanted to commemorate this with one of my own. You're just lazy. Shots <laughs> <laughs> fired. Uh, okay, I'll go. Hi, my name is uh, Stephanie, a.k.a. The Steph Box. My dad fact is I have a Shih Tzu and his name is Mochi. And he is the cutest little turd machine I have ever owned. <laughs> you should uh, get a bulldog next. So that way you can have a little bullshit running around. No, we almost got a little Frenchie too. Um, but I didn't want to deal with two puppies at once. It's a lot. But Mochi is literally the best name. Aren't puppies harder than babies? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, now dang it, guys. Now I'm Okay, my name is the Steph Box and now I'm going to have to get two puppies because of you. All of you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. Good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll take blame for that. That's my fault. Uh, my name is Luke. Uh my dad fact is apparently I chew food really loud. Uh so I'm starting an ASMR channel now. Uh so keep an ear out for that. Is that where you're just going to, like, scratch the mic and... Why, yes. Hello. No, no, it's just going to be chewing. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I... Various different things. Charleston Chew is going to be the first one. <laughs> oh, God. Frozen first or, like, room temperature or, like, mm. soaked in a water bath well, so it's all, like, soupy? <laughs> <laughs> like oh, bacon, no. water. Mm. <laughs> bacon water. Bacon water. Delectable. <laughs> okay i guess it's me yeah 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 hi i'm shelby and my dad fact is i proposed to my husband two hours after meeting him oh <laughs> damn i was joking but yeah i still proposed getting ahead of the curve nice i see that worked out for you yeah i think i've been married for quite a while okay fair enough yeah 12 years been with him 14 so i didn't scare him off with the marriage proposal <laughs> <laughs> weeding out the week <laughs> and then two days later i got really drunk on vodka and instant messaged him for six hours and still didn't scare him off so maybe he's broken and that's how you became a father <laughs> that's how i met your mother all right so up front this is a megasode so we kind of spoke it over and there's not enough plot or content or meat on the bones for the entirety of the Nick Close arc. So we're just going to cover episode eight, nine and ten all in a single episode. So to start things up, 
In episode eight, The Battle Axe of Hatred, part two, Electric Boogaloo, the dads made a friend and then duped him into petty theft. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. That's the whole episode. All right, moving on to episode nine. Uh... <laughs> First try. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole bunch of combat this episode, like 40, 45 yeah. minutes of combat. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of like plot development happened other than Glenn charming the dude and then just convincing them that they were old college buddies, like fraternities. Yeah, barred fraternity. And then after that, they sent him in with like a note on his hand <laughs> to get the battle axe. And he did. And they got it. Mm hey, -hmm. combat. Yep. End of episode. Yep. Yeah, they started off with stealth. They botched it. Then they botched combat. But I mean, at least Glenn got to Bard, right? So good for him. Although the discussion of how best to smoke out the cave made me chuckle. I like the fact that they humanely tied... <laughs> essentially bundles of weed to animals and had them fly in and run in yeah. to the, the cave. Although that wasn't even episode eight. We actually covered that last episode. Oh, I know. But yeah, no, like they just kind we of got to see the aftermath of that. We did. And the aftermath was combat, like where yeah. they didn't even go inside. They whiffed it. Yeah. Uh -uh. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is a game where like five days can go by in 30 seconds and 30 seconds can take five weeks just because of how combat and travel and all that works out. And that was very much at play. Uh, they didn't even get to clear out any of the effects of Daryl. So like it was 30 seconds of real time, lots of combat, lots of skip it, get the axe and then moving on. Was this another place where um, Anthony probably had a lot of stuff going on in the house and they just avoided it completely? Yeah, yeah, I could see where he actually had like rooms set up, you know, like the Tower of Terry, where there was maybe stuff to do and people to fight. And they just kind of bypassed all that. Yeah, I mean, there was a number of dudes and it did sound like the guy to get the axe had to go through at least a couple of rooms to get to the actual battle axe wherever they were storing it. Sounded kind of like a warehouse kind of deal. So, yeah, yeah, there could have been. A lot. Well, not a lot, but, you know, enough to make a decent encounter for them to go through at that point. But yeah. honestly, I was picturing like a man sized hobbit hole, like, you know, Bilbo Baggins place, mm. but like something that Gandalf could stand up in. OK, yeah. Yeah, then that's viable as like a storage area for whatever. And this episode definitely fell prey to DM economy, where if you get your players to roll the dice enough times and do enough things and take enough damage, then they get the prize. And that's what happened. Yeah, no, they definitely like once their stupid, stupid plan fell through, they definitely put in more than enough effort to justify Anthony giving in and giving them the battle axe because a lot happened and they did good in combat. So I, I think if he didn't give it to them, we would still be in the cave. <laughs> 30 episodes later uh-huh yeah anthony like gives up when they go off on these tangents yeah, yeah. no he, he tries to find his way through he tries to find his best way through and they usually surpass it somehow yeah so to be fair I've, i'm in a campaign where we literally spent two hours in one section of a dungeon <laughs> arguing whether or not to sacrifice someone to a mind-controlling spider. So, yeah, it happens. Time flies when you are uh, paying attention to the rules, which is why Anthony completely missed the fact that Henry shouldn't have been able to shift into a CR1 creature until, what, like level 8? At level 3, you can do Wild Shape. And I think you can start with like a challenge rating of a quarter. So maybe at best he could have been a giant rat. 
<laughs> so he shifted into a bear and i think someone actually said this seems incredibly unbalanced and henry or you know will was like i'm just gonna be a bear all the time and it's like well that's great because you are essentially a level eight character now yeah i'm pretty sure it was anthony that said that he was reading through this like the statistics for the bear base level bear and he was just like oh he's got multi-attacks that's extremely unbalanced <laughs> i'm gonna look into this later and I'm honestly not sure that he did. So I'm glad that he let him get away with it. Yes. When Henry described the human side of him was absolutely horrified, but the bear side was completely enthralled with what was happening. <laughs> I, I lost it. Yeah. Yeah. From like a story, yeah, like a character perspective, it definitely worked out for the better than going by the rules and just going with a giant rat or whatever it would have actually have been. I, I mean, yes, like I use combat podcasts to go to sleep. I'll just put them on because they are interesting enough to make me like not actively bored, but not interesting enough to actually keep me from falling asleep. So good on uh, Anthony for seeing a shortcut to like, oh, hey, maybe if we do this, we can actually get back to the plot and plot they did eventually. Yeah, I mean, in an episode or two, like, you know, why did Glenn stick around? Like, he could have bailed at any point with Nick, right? But mm -hmm. uh, when did uh, Nick confess about the curse not actually being a thing? I think it was at the beginning of the next episode. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah. So he stuck around because of that. And that was when Glenn was, you know, able to, like, cut things loose. But yeah. So just little things. Um, Henry's dad fact. We got to see that Henry or Will didn't know his father's name. Again, leading to my personal theory of the fact that Henry has multiple fathers. One of them oh. is Henry Sr., who spanked one of his children. And the other is uh, Barry, who actually shows up in the Forgotten Realms. Maybe it's like dad, stepdad kind of situation. I mean, he grew up in a commune, so Polly is a thing. That's true. So like anybody could have been his dad sort of thing. Yeah. Just collective parenthood. Has he said he has a mom? Oh, no. He could have two dads. Yeah, True. no, he absolutely could. Yeah. I don't think moms have come up in regards to Henry. Henry is gross enough that biologically he could be the product of two biological males. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dirty, dirty boy in he more is. ways than one. In more horrible, horrible ways than oh. one. So many nightmares. Yeah. And uh, Anthony, uh, not rolling great. So many natural ones this episode. I, I don't think we've seen such a cluster of ones. We have seen a bunch of disappointing rolls, but not so many ones. Yeah, I don't think we have seen anything quite like that since, honestly. Right. Uh... We've gotten a lot of nat ones. We've gotten a lot of ones that <laughs> are kind of critical, but not as many all at once. Right. It's really funny because it's, absolutely a game of chance to roll oh, yeah. you know when you're rolling but to have so many ones is statistically very very unlikely it's extremely rare <laughs> right either that or anthony weighted all the dice <laughs> i can see that. i don't know i remember him freaking out about the statistical improbability of what had just happened so i doubt that he actually weighted the dice against his favor well, he plays the long con though he anthony, <laughs> anthony birch is very good at playing a long con and planning things out just to like nip his players in the butt later yeah there was that space jam thing so right mm -hmm. yeah so yeah and uh let's see so at the end um they 
got the Battle Axe of Hatred. It was retrieved. And then the Red Brands rolled up and challenged them to a battle of the bands. Of the bands. Yeah. And this is another plot thread that uh, has yet to be resolved because we saw that Mm -hmm. uh, Ron signed his name in it. The the blood sank in and then the guitar Mm -hmm. walked off. So Yeah. To Zendaya for the, the deck of many things. Yeah. Yeah. They did Tracy's. But they did get the guitar here. And frankly, one of the wildest episodes was uh, them finding cloaks. I I love this episode. I literally just finished re-listening to that episode specifically. Right. And it's a, it's a joy, but we'll we'll get there in a minute. Yeah. So, and that pretty much wrapped up the podcast episode that should have been an email. <laughs> and then they moved on to episode 9. Uh, the dads made being a bassist even more humiliating and then did their best to get a whole bunch of children killed. Yeah. Yeah. Episode nine, I think, is definitely one of the most memorable episodes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That Nat 20 song, because like it kind of started off at a low simmer with the dads arguing about it. Then the dads arguing about how to do the band and then the dads arguing Mm -hmm. about how to get on stage and then they got on stage. And then that kind of kink thing, which was actually pretty good. Yes. No, that was very good. (laughs) Oh, that entire exchange was beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yeah, they just kept on failing and failing and failing. And then Henry's explanation of this obscure mating ritual and the bassist was like, yeah, I'm into that. Let's try it. <laughs> I love the fact that like Ron tried to lasso one of the red brands and ended up choking himself and was like, ah, it's fun. You should try it. You're like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I lost it. I remember, I think I was like walking around in a grocery store, like Costco or something like that, <laughs> in my headphones listening to that. And I just, I collapsed onto like a crate because <laughs> I just, I, I had to take a second. I had to take a beat and just compose myself because all of the people were probably coming out of like Sunday church, you know, and they were just like, what on earth is this lady's deal? <laughs> is she high? Is she on the marijuana? Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I vibe. I've done that to this specific podcast in the middle of the produce aisle before. So I completely yeah. understand. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so like it just it was felt like it was building to something. And like I was expecting a failure. Everyone was expecting a failure. And then oh, absolutely. until and then Ron got a natty 20. But Ron did uh, prophesize that he was going to do great. Oh, yeah. The entire time, like this episode, you listen back to it knowing the outcome. And it was like this was written. This was scripted somehow. Everyone thought that Ron was going to fail. And Ron was like, no, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be great. I am the man. And (laughs) everyone else is like, yeah, sure, Ron. Sure. And then it happened. And I'd say this is also karma for them trying to throw it a little bit like could have been karma. But like, you know, to maybe second guess the player decision, like if Ron was a little bit more aware, like he could have been like, so I use this natural 20 to sing a song so disharmonious that it clears out the stadium and then the red brands are just gone and they're not a threat anymore and instead it was just like oh no we're gonna get glenn and nick and all of nick's friends killed yes but ron was just so proud of himself yeah for the first time in his life he was actually proud of himself yeah so that's that's what matters yes yes exceed 
exceed, but please try to keep the blood on your hands at a minimum for doing so. <laughs> These daddies, I think not. Right. Hmm, that's a tall order. I think he was kind of like hurt a little bit by Nick's dismissal of them being part of the band. Mm. And he just kind of was like, mm, okay, sure. We'll uh, <laughs> sing against you. Uh, we'll probably lose. Probably, maybe. But but really, we're all winners, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, so after that, uh, Nick and Glenn saw the writing on the wall and just kind of took off. And while they were driving away, that scam likely ringtone, that masterful, masterful ringtone. No, 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 keep going. It you didn't do it for like a minute and a half. Yeah, oh, I, I'm aware. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that, and then he came on, it's like, oh, now they're out of foot range. Then you don't have your car. Uh, that whole, that whole thing, like getting the call from Scam was probably the best part of the episode for me. Aside from like the bizarro, like, pseudo bdsm kind of thing that went on that I, whole thing was beautiful but but just <laughs> like getting told like ha, you guys got scammed right like i was a little weirded out because like at no point in this in this episode i think did they state that the red brands weren't another like child gang so mm. like the entire thing that this was going on like in the back of my mind i was like wait are they are they asking some other 13 year olds to strip naked oh <laughs> ew i don't i don't See, think that they were like young though yeah like so i got the impression that at mo at the very least they were in their 20s okay yeah that was kind of my assumption like the thing with that was weird though was that like the water mice had a 13 year old and I, I just kind of like that set the age where it's like it was Lord of the Flies managed by like a couple of older people who were just, you know, in control by virtue of being older. Again, like an Oliver Swift or not Oliver Swift. Uh, What's the Oliver twist twist Oliver twist? Yeah, like an Oliver twist thing. Like they referenced it. So I kind of thought that it was like, was this an Oliver Twist thing? Are these like a whole bunch of orphans that are going into a battle of the band? Like why are like it just never crossed my mind that like 20 plus year olds would be like bullying a whole bunch of little kids. I never like assumed that they were kids. I'm really yeah. curious. It, like that makes it all weird. It <laughs> was very weird. They are definitely not kids. No. Yeah. No, it never no. it never came across to me like that. And I mean, I, I, I can see kind of where you're coming from just because they had Nick there and they kind of set the tone for like the rest of their group. Right. But I always kind of assumed that Nick was the outlier of the group as far as age. I don't know. Like, I, I, I kind of thought that, like, you know, because Nick got like the cool intro with the water mice, like I, I kind of thought that he was mm. like bossing around a bunch of nine year olds. <laughs> no, I just think he's a. A cool ass kid, and they were like, "Yeah, all right, we'll take you along." It was basically a case of narcs versus delinquents. Well, also as an only child, he probably gets along better with adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he has that sort of like chill relationship with his dad, so that would track. Yep. Yeah, he's very comfortable speaking with adults, as most only children are. Yeah. Yep. As an only child for thirteen years of my life, I can vouch. As an only child for 26 years until I got a stepbrother that's eight years older than me. Yeah. 
Well, there you have it, folks. All right. And uh, yeah, so we just got the Battle of the Bands episode. And uh, it's, you know, that episode came out almost a year ago. So it's that time of year again. So now a word from our sponsor. Get ready for the 10th annual Honda Battle of the Bands. Thrilled to an appearance from the returning champions, the Red Brand Trailers. We're the first time appears from the Water Mice. And a special appearance from Dave. These are words to a song, I think. And my name is Dave. Tickets are five silver pieces each, and attendance is mandatory for all members of the Water Mice. Be prepared to rock your face off at the 10th annual Honda Battle of the Bands. Thank you, Honda, for sponsoring us and the Battle of the Bands. Moving on to episode 10. The coolest episode. The coolest episode. Uh, the dads supported and then participated in child trafficking. Yes, but then the best person ever debuted in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Payton. Definitely Payton. Yeah, so in this episode, the dads kind of stood around and argued for like, again, 20 more minutes to arguing to save the water mice. And they did. So thankfully, all that blood is not on their hands. This time. This time. The one time. Yeah, this one time the dads (laughs) are responsible for not killing a whole bunch of people. Well, see, they already did a bunch of involuntary manslaughter. So yeah, this balances out, right? I mean, yes. To be fair, rescuing Nick resulted in the death of far fewer people than rescuing Henry's sons. Yep, so they're coming out ahead. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like that, you know, um, at the start of this, because Glenn left the dads behind, you know, they had to clean up and actually ended up doing some good by, you know, not getting everyone killed. I think Glenn tends to be the more violent one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's definitely upscaled as the uh, podcast has gone on he is i think quicker to action than anyone else is well his he really loves i mean they all love their kids don't get me wrong but like that's glenn's best friend it is what remains of his wife yeah yeah and their connection there's never going to be you know anything that will compare for him so, I mean, he even said when they confronted him about it, look, I was I was afraid for my son's life. Mm-hmm. You guys rescued Larkin Sparrow and they disappeared, man. Like, I'd be freaking <laughs> out as a parent and be like, hell yeah, I'm going to leave you guys. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't say I blame him. Like, I was upset initially. Don't get me wrong, but I get it. Yeah. Like, yep. I understand why he did it. I stand Glenn, man. Yeah, I I think in this episode, Glenn was 100% in the right. He did what he needed to do to take care of him and his kid when they were both very much at risk. Like the the dads were under the protection by being on the winning side. And they obviously had some negotiating power. Like they managed to negotiate not only for their own lives, but for those of the water mice. And then the dads were just all kinds of huffy because... I don't know, I guess, what, things didn't go according to their plan, even though they were the ones who didn't follow it. So, yeah, no, like, <laughs> we'll we'll get to that later. But yeah, everyone goes to Waterdeep, and we started to see Anthony pulling out names from the, uh, from the Patreon submission. Damn good names. Were these the first instances of that? Uh, yes. 
Yes, because okay. Bullywugs was the first one. That was when they were like, okay, so Glenn was like, I look for like a bar or you know something on the docks, and yeah. Anthony was like, well, uh, so I'm gonna pull this place name from our Patreon. And then he actually introduced it. So Bullywugs was the first Patreon name. Yeah, congrats to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and then there were a couple of other really good names that even though I re-listened to the episode today, I've forgotten them. But they were good. They were like, I remember listening to this and it's like, wait, wait, fucking Payton. Payton's the one who gets more than one appearance. (laughs) They did foreshadow it in the talking dad's episode before this one where they're like, we get a new character and he's so awesome. I mean, yeah, to be absolutely fair, like Payton is a gem. He was. Yeah. I mean, just such a all around awesome character. I think Freddie was like, this is my new favorite character. And everyone agreed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you must protect him at all costs. Right. And so like the dads kind of collaborately built up this unfortunate foster children fighting arena in the kid fights. And just as uh, Nick and Peyton were about to go down, the dads burst in and ruined everything. Yeah, they ruined some child fights. Those bastards. Yeah. Although Glenn did come out on top with some money for them, though, so. Yeah. And then and then Henry. Oh, my God. This I, I think that this was the episode where I started really disliking Henry, like as a person, like he came across as someone who was just so. I, I, I mean, he is a hypocrite to his core. Yep. Like he thinks he's all kinds of awesome, all kinds of high and mighty, but. He was just angry that Glenn left and like, you know, it's just Henry was controlling and holier than thou and just not a likable character. He was definitely the antagonist this episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100 percent. Right. Oh, yeah. Henry was a total douche in this, like top to bottom. I don't think that they considered the fact that, you know, Glenn and Nick were both in danger of losing their lives right then and there. It's like they forgot that fact. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that they're they're pissed that they were left behind. But come on. like Yeah. Like a real team would have like somehow rallied around Glenn's cause of not having Glenn and Nick die. Yeah. Instead, Daryl was hurt that Glenn drove off with the beast and Henry was hurt that he wasn't in control for once. And I I really feel like that, like Barry, uh, uh, you know, Barry Oak really is Henry from this episode taken up like two or three notches. Like Henry in 20 years is going to be Barry Oak. Like listening to this episode, he is going to be his evil dad. Well, this is what happens when Henry doesn't get his way. Yes. And yeah, the way like, you know, listening to Barry come in and the way that he tried to control the situation and talk down to people and just be like, everyone is a child. I am the only adult in the room. If only everyone would listen to me, everything will be fine. And that was 100 percent Henry this episode. Mm -hmm. So passive aggressive. Yeah. Plus, I mean, damaging Ron like that. Like, I think Henry did the most damage this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I. you know, I, I'm not I'm not a Henry fan. I feel like that this was at the point that I I perked up and like Henry is no longer like he's someone who tries to be polite, but he's not nice. No, he's definitely not what I would call a nice person. I wouldn't want to grab a beer with him. <laughs> no, no. Well, first off, he'd grab kombucha. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yes, true. Or a glass of room temperature water. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and also, I think later on, Matt said that he would sacrifice the lives of the dads. Like, he would rather let them die as a result of not fulfilling the blood pact than actually fulfilling the blood pact. And so it's like, oh, my God, the reason the dads are angry is because they weren't the ones in this situation. I think all of the dads would have put their kids before the other dads. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it's like it's what you do as a parent. I feel like even Ron would if he would have noticed that, like, his kid needed saving. Hmm. But chicken fingers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I loved the chicken fingers in this episode. The actual chicken fingers. like Yeah. Uh, and it was so dookie <laughs> that Henry would not let Glenn get, or was it Henry or Daryl that would not let Glenn get the spinach dip? Yeah, that was that was Daryl. Daryl was like, anything but the spinach yeah. dip. I need to punish this man. Right, I'm sorry, all we have here is the spinach dip. Yeah. We're all out of chicken fingers. You, you ate the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, those chickens need their fingers. How else are they going to count? <laughs> the guy in the back doesn't have any more fingers for you to eat, sir. Oh. Chicken is all out of fingers. <laughs> He's very angry right now. Well, I thought they had the chicken fingers, but they didn't have the wings. Yeah, the wings. Yeah, Ron kept asking for wings. Well, yeah, you know, he kept asking for chicken fingers. And right. Yeah. It's just like all we have is the spinach dip. Okay, I'll have the wings. All we have. I'll, I'll go see what we have in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that that exchange. It wasn't Ron being like a Karen. It was just Ron being Ron. Like, mm-hmm. huh, yeah. can I get some chicken fingers? We don't just have any. Beautifully oblivious. Like, if you ask the right person the right way, something happens. Which, I mean, in the case of Ron, is asking the same person the same way every time. Until they walk away. <laughs> Until they just don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just his life in general. Mm. Like Samantha is the most amazing woman in the world, I believe. Like, <sighs> I, I mean, I don't know if like she is like an absolute saint or if she's just like Amelia Bedelia, who is just, you know, one of those bless your heart. So pure in innocence, but dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> Wasn't it Emma after this episode was like they're morosexuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that, like, Anthony, when he was commenting on that, he was like, they're both morosexuals. Yeah. Like, the way that that Samantha (laughs) responded on the phone call in a future episode, they called him up and he was like, I have an email from that nice gentleman from Nigeria. And she's like, I'll be right on that. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. They're not the smartest bunch, but they are perfect for each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yep, they resolve their differences at the round table. With the help of the chicken fingers. With the chicken bone. Yeah, where they because they had bones because they were actual fingers. Where would a finger grow on a chicken? I think it's their toes. It's technically their toes. Would it be their toes or I'm I'm picturing like fingers where wing feathers would be. (laughs) Just replace their wings with really, really long versions of human hands. Ew. Like hiding underneath the wings? Is that what you mean? No, a picture like a chicken's wings and they have the long flight feathers. But each of those is replaced by a finger. So they have like oh. hundreds of fingers <laughs> and they can grab things with their wings. How do you always manage to be almost as bad as Will with word crimes? Why? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, I'm uh, try living with him. Bless you, my child. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, 
after them after them finger bones uh nick became possessed by one of the omega daddies which one do we think it was who do we think it sounded like because i I mean it felt a little bit like barry but not so much i think it might have been willie because he was kind of mean like yeah I definitely get that mean, mean vibe at the end there where he was like throwing people around like bam, bam. Yeah, no, this is 100% Barry. Like just from the like the very first lines that he says, you cannot raise a child because you are a child. You will never understand what it takes to raise a life until you get one of your own. Yeah, that is full on Barry. Yeah, it's there's just enough vitriol to, to be Barry, I think. All right, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, Billy, I still. Oh, no, it's not as mean. You're right. Barry is probably. Yeah. Like, I don't I think when Anthony was actually speaking, it didn't have that high and mighty air to it necessarily. But the words at the very least. It's a condescending truth. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That checks out. I agree. Right. All right. Cool. So the first appearance of Barry and then Nick faded off into the horizon. Oh, poor Nick. All those all the poor boys. And now on to making friends with the Sun Squad, where we create a character or item or location that we're going to submit to the podcast to hopefully one day in the future, maybe, just maybe, make an appearance. Has it worked yet? No. No, no, no. it hasn't. Anthony, I think, listens and then filters out our submissions. Probably. All right. So kind of inspired by this art i don't think we've submitted an instrument yet that's what i was thinking mm-hmm. the recorder <laughs> yeah we need to submit a recorder and what does this recorder do yes besides playing awful music well yeah it's definitely gonna play awful music could it like temporarily deafen people you want them to suffer they are just mm. loud enough to be annoying recorders are so annoying that you just want to take the recorder and shove it somewhere that the sun don't shine and just get rid of it. <laughs> so maybe make it so that whoever is playing the recorder is the center of attention, like they are aggro. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a area of effect kind of thing where it can cloak your party members or whoever you want from being seen, like a, a bonus to stealth for your other party members. <laughs> because people are like covering their ears. Going, <laughs> Kill him. Uh, Kill him. <laughs> make it stop. Make it stop. Like they can't focus on whatever they're doing because it's just the recorder noise. Yeah. Basically, yeah. it throws them into a state of confusion and annoyance. <laughs> or, or how about this? How about this? For the name of it, mm. we call it Law and Recorder. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. What it does is that if there are any masked or hiding or people who are attempting to harm you, like any assassins in your mist, when you play it, it causes them to get so annoyed that they reveal themselves and they instantly come out of stealth. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can jive with that. Yeah. It is stupidly specific enough that it'd be good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like you can kind of like toot on it when you're walking through and like all of the the assassins and the cut purses and the rogues, they just kind of like melt out of the alleyways. And they're just like, fine, fine. (laughs) If they had played it in the middle of Neverwinter, all of all the mercenaries would have popped out early. (laughs) Yeah, they just would have been like, no, 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 we're not even getting paid for this. (laughs) Yeah, that would have made me run away. I'm not going to lie. All right, uh, let's move on to our random plug. 
What do you guys have going on? What do you have in your life? You can find me on Instagram at hey it's boxy with two X's. Um, the Steph Box on Twitter. And right now I'm making a ton of like Amigurimi commissions, primarily a lot of Tiger King stuff <laughs> and rainbow scarves. What what type of commissions again? Uh like little yarn dolls. Oh, oh! I was, I, yeah. I was, I, I was not aware that that was a word. It's a thing. I'm gonna try and figure out how to make a Lizzo doll because I really want like a trap orchestra queen. I just think it'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, but I've gotten a lot of requests for Joe Exotic and his little tiger cub. So I have had to wait like a month to get everything in because unfortunately he accessorized like crazy, like any true gay as my friends would say. <laughs> Lots of accessorization, little over the top. So like I had to get chains and things from everywhere else, but that's that's what I'm doing. Okay. Well, my favorite holiday is coming up on Monday. I will be watching all the Star Wars. May the fourth be with you. Mm, yes. And good. also with you. Yeah, this episode will be uh, dropping what on the 11th so <laughs> yeah a week ago go ahead and get ready for star wars day let's <laughs> be with you all may is star wars day well yeah all of april was 420 so all mm. of may is gonna be star wars may yeah that's how that works right all right luke what are you doing uh yeah, I got this new ASMR channel I'm putting up. So if you want to hear me chewing for 15 minutes at a time. Yeah. Ew. Ew. Among Ew. other things. What? what? That scares me. <laughs> I'm not Beth May, and she's not here to send us out. More theme music goes here. Ba-dang, 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 ba-dang. This podcast was created and produced by a disappointed group of volunteers. Talking Sons was mastered and edited by Agnetti. Our theme music is Madness is Everywhere by Lobo Loco. Find the Talking Sons podcast wherever fine podcasts are rented, or follow us on Twitter or Facebook via the at Talking Sons handle. If you enjoyed this community episode and would like to be a part of one in the future, ask around the right Dungeons and Daddies fan communities and you'll find us. Did Henry and Daryl kiss in episodes 8, 9, or 10? No.